More church? All right, I want to dive right into it. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. And I just want to, fo- I want to focus on just uh, two verses here, verse 8 and verse 9. I'm going to, I'm going to read uh, 2 verse 12 here. But uh, verse 8 and verse 9 is really, really where my focus is. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Verse 9 says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. And he goes on, verse 10, for, for whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Hmm, that last part, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Um, it begins with the word finally. You see that verse 8? Finally. Fi- well, okay, so when you, when you see that, finally what? I mean, so now we got, we got to talk about everything that came before this, going all the way back to 1 Peter chapter 1. That was probably five or six weeks ago now. Um, and, and if you remember 1 first, uh, first Peter chapter 1, it was, it's, it, Peter's addressing the elect, um, those who have been chosen by God, those who are strangers in this world, a- aliens in this world, exiles in this world, and, do you, and, and we talked about that, didn't do you, do you feel sometimes like a stranger in this world? Like this world just doesn't get you because of your values, because, because of, of Jesus Christ being your Lord, the world just doesn't get you. And, and, and so Peter's addressing that. You know, we live in this world as foreigners. And how are we to live in this world when this world doesn't get us? How, how do we live for the glory of God? How do we live for heaven in a world that's gone to hell? I think it's very key. And we see it, don't we? we? We see what's going on in our world, and, and we got two options here. Either we become like them, or we rise above that and, and be countercultural. Um, you, you think about 2,000 years ago, the Roman Empire, it, it, was, it was corrupt, it was falling apart, it was self-destructing, and Peter was calling Christians to live above the muck, to be light in the darkness, to be God's priesthood of believers, to, to help people escape the darkness and, and to help people so they would have a relationship with God, so they could walk with God, so they could experience the blessings of God. And so he, he's talking to the elect. He's talking to, to God's chosen people. We, we've got to rise above all this. And in chapter 2, he, he's addressing Christians as citizens in, in you know, how, how to respond to the governing authorities. We talked about that, um, especially when the governing authorities are, are corrupt, are are crazy or whatever they are, you know, but you are a Christian. How are you going to respond to the government? That was chapter two. And then also in chapter two, he talked to slaves, submit to your masters, you know, as servants to your boss. Uh, And even when the boss is unfair, if the boss is harsh, if the, the work situation is terrible, but you are a Christian, you represent Jesus Christ. In that area. And there's, a, there's a, a proper way for the Christian to live his life, even in that situation. And then in chapter 3, last week, we talked about wives submitting to their husbands. Even if they're, especially if the husband's an unbeliever, and if the husband is harsh and hard to get along with, but, but Peter's talking to the wives. You represent Jesus Christ in that situation. 
And then and in, in verse 7, he talked to the husbands. Husbands, this is how you are to live with your wives. You're to be considerate and respectful and, and understanding. Um, so, so every one of these situations, so he's, he's finally, after he's, he's addressed Christians as, as citizens, as he's addressed uh, Christians as servants, as he's addressed Christians as, as spouses, finally it says, all of you, and now what he's addressing is to the Christians as, as the body, as the church, as a church. All of you, this, this, is, this is how we are to live. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Be humble. This is how the church should be. This is how Christians should, should live. So I see in that verse, in verse 8, five traits that I want to highlight here. You, you heard them, right? Be, first of all, live in harmony with, with one another. Uh, what I have here in your blank, if you follow, be har- harmonious. I can't spell it, so I didn't put it up there. Uh, but uh, live in harmony with one another. Be harmonious. You, that's, that's not easy. That's not natural. Now, I, I, I see this. I'm thinking, we, this is something, you've got to be intentional about doing this. Because it's natural to, uh, you know, in, in a world of chaos, we just, become, we just become noisy and part of the problem. So we have to be intentional to live harmoniously with the world that we're in. Uh, we, we, there should be unity, not, not uniformity, but there should be unity. We all have different gifts. We all have different tastes. We all have different habits. And, 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 we, and when I think about that, how the church is so beautifully diverse because we all come from different backgrounds. We all have these different gifts. We all, we're just different. And that could be a problem. Or it could be a beautiful thing. If, if, we, if we love Jesus Christ and we kept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we did, we did things Jesus' way, what, what, what I see here is the church is, is a beautiful symphony. You, you think about an orchestra, you know, all these different instruments, but they're all working together to make beautiful music. In the church, we're all these, we're all these different instruments. But Jesus is the, the, the conductor and as long as we're following Jesus, as long as we, our eyes are fixed on Jesus, then all of our differences are, are beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. We should be living harmoniously. Um, and, and it says here, uh, be sympathetic. I want to ask you about this. Have you, have you thought much about this? Are you, are you a very sympathetic person? Um, do you feel what other people feel? Are you sensitive to the needs of the people around you, their struggles, their fears, their emotions? Do, do you take time to understand where they're coming from, understand their perspective? And, and a good question about this, especially when we live in a world that's divided you know, by politics. I mean, you talk about politics and all of a sudden war, right? We just go to war. Um, but, but think about this. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, not that you have to agree with the other person's position, but could you take time to fairly articulate their position? Um, how do I write this here? Um, that... that, that you, you at least try to see it from their eyes. Um, can, you, can you state their opinion in a way that would fairly represent their view? Can you state their opinion in a way that would fairly represent their view? Because that would be taking time to try to see it from their, their side. And I think this is important because if we're ever going to get through to them with Jesus Christ, then you, we can't just argue with people. We've got to try to figure out where they're coming from. You know, what, what hurt or what happened in their background to make them see life as they see it, which is contrary to, to what God is saying. And we got to take time and figure this out. We have to be sympathetic. Um, and, and it says here we, we need to love as brothers. 
What I wrote down, we need to be, we need to be family. Do, we, do you feel like family at church? Uh, or do you feel like a stranger here? I hope you feel like a, a family here, that, that, that you're significant, that, you, that we're not just mere acquaintances. We, we, there's love for one another. We do life with one another. We're making memories with one another. Do we love each other as family? Do you see the people in this room as your brothers and your sisters in Jesus Christ? So we, we are to be harmonious. We are to, to be sympathetic. We, we are to be family. We are to be compassionate. So what it says here, live in harmony with one another, be, be sympathetic, love as, as brothers, be compassionate. That's not talking about your conduct, that's, that's talking about your heart. Your, the, what's going on on the inside. The, the, the Greek, actually, the, the literal translation is feel generous in your belly, if that's helpful. I don't know if that's helpful or not. Um, but but it's, it, it's what happens on the inside, because if it's just outside, I mean, that's what, that's what the Pharisees do. That's, 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 that's hypocrisy. It's just an act. It's just a show. Don't fake it. Be it. Be compassionate. It has to start with your heart. It has to start on the inside. And, and, and then the last thing it says here is be humble. Be humble. I think maybe one of the chief causes of, of disunity among Christians is there's a lack of humility. Uh, everybody thinks they're right. Everybody else is wrong. Um, uh, often wrong, never in doubt. Um, that, that's a problem. Um, it, but if you... If, this, this helps me. I look back at my life, like just over the last five years, and how many times I've been wrong. It, not a lot. Okay, it's a lot. It's really a lot. Um, that really keeps me humble. Really keeps me humble that I don't, I don't get it right every time. And I'm just saying maybe you can see that in yourself. Maybe you don't get it right every time. Maybe, there, maybe there's room to grow in this area that we could be humble. And how, 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 how much we need humility in the church if we're going to be harmonious, if we're going to love as a family loves, we need to be humble. Christians should be humble because we, we, we understand we're all sinners. We're all unworthy. And it's only by the grace of God that, that we have been blessed. And because of the grace of God, we've been blessed. And because of the grace of God, I willingly, I'm, I'm honored to be the servant of Jesus Christ. And because I, I want to be the servant of Jesus Christ, I want to be the servant of my brothers and sisters as well. Um, so, so there should be humility. Um, we live as aliens, as strangers in exile in this corrupt world. And all these traits are about the soul, not, not about our conduct, but about our soul. This, this should be happening on the inside. When we're born again, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, these things should be happening. Now, just, I want to ask you, is it happening for you? And then we go on to verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil. Or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. And, and let me read this again. In verse 10 through 12, whoever would love his life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So if you have an outline, I, just, I want you to see here, i got two blocks here. One is the culture of hell. And, and you think about the world that we live in, and, how, and as I've already said, the world has gone to hell. Where everybody, just naturally, the, the, you know, if you do evil to somebody, they're going to repay you with evil. You insult somebody, they're going to insult you. Tongues that speak evil and deceit, lying, fraud... People do evil against God. They're defiant, they're disobedient, they're rebellious. You, you look at this 
This is the culture of hell. It is describing here, you, you have a choice to make. You can be a part of this culture of hell. You can, you can buy into it. You can, you can embrace it if you want. And I would ask, who wants that? But that's what we're living in. We're people, this is, just, this is how people living by their flesh, people who have no regard for God, this is how they live. And, and, and I see Christians living like this. The Bible clearly calls us out of this, and yet this is how people are living. They repay evil for evil, return insult for insult. You, you contrast that to the culture of heaven that Peter is describing here. You look at the culture of hell, look at the culture of heaven, and, and the first five things I have is what we just talked about, a, a, a culture of, of harmony, the cu culture of sympathy, where we seek to understand, we want to help each other, the, a, a culture of brotherly love, where we care for one another, we're not using each other, we're caring for one another, a, a, a community of, of compassion and, and humbleness, willing to, to listen to one another, to learn from one another, and then, and then two more things I want to add to that list that I see in verse 9, we endure evil. What does it say here? Do not repay evil with evil. Okay, so if somebody does something bad to you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? If you're going to live in the culture of hell, you're going to repay them. If you're going to live in the culture of heaven, you don't repay them. You endure. Mmm. That's a challenge, isn't it? That's a challenge. That's, that's not natural. This is, that, that's not how my daddy taught me. You know what? It, this is, but this is what the Word of God is teaching us. We endure evil. We endure insults. We don't insult when, when we're insulted. This is, this is what the Christian is called to. We respond to God, not to them. We respond to God, not to the sins of this world. We don't become like this world. We have been called out of that. Do you see that? Do you understand that? Do we get that? Man, I feel like I can say that, and yet we leave here and we go right back to our old ways. One more thing I want you to see. The culture of heaven does good. It blesses others. You, you, you are to be a blessing. So what Peter is saying to us, you are not to retaliate. Do not return evil for evil. You are to be a blessing. You're called to be a blessing. To this you were called. Do you see that in verse 9? To this you were called. If we want to see good days, if we want to enjoy life, we, we have been called to keep our tongue from evil. We have been called to keep our lips from deceit. We have been called to seek peace and pursue it. We have been called to be righteous in a world of unrighteousness. We have been called to be a blessing. All right, I say all that. That's verse 8 and verse 9. And I want you to see how this plays out. Let's go to the Old Testament and see how the, the people of God lived. People who've been called by God, how they lived, so that we can see how we're supposed to live. And let's start with Abraham, a case study here, Abraham. What was Abraham called to? If you, if you uh, it begins in Genesis 12, Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. If you can relate to Abraham at all, and you see what God told Abraham, I will bless you. Do you want the blessings of God? Don't we all, we're all here because we want to be blessed by God. And God said, God told Abraham, I will bless you. And they said, and you are going to be a blessing. 
Do you see that? We want the blessings of God. Do you want to be a blessing to people around you? This is what God called Abraham to. I'm telling you, this is what God is calling you to. He wants to bless you, but he also wants you to be a blessing. So you see those last five, five words. You will be a blessing. And Abraham was blessed in Genesis 24, verse 1. It says, Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. And then Abraham, who was blessed in every way, he turned around and he blessed everybody who was around him. You, you see it in, in Genesis 24. His servants were blessed by their association with, with Abraham. His neighbors were blessed by their association with Abraham in Genesis 21. And, and, and it, says, it says in Genesis 26, his neighbors saw plainly that Abraham was blessed by God. They could see, not, not, not only could they see Abraham had a good life, but they also knew why Abraham had a good life, because he walked with God. They saw it. They saw he was blessed by God. And Sodom and Gomorrah were blessed because of Abraham in Genesis 14. Before they were cursed, they were blessed. And, and when God said he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, what does Abraham do? He says, wait, 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 you know, surely there's somebody righteous there. And, and Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, were, they were blessed by Abraham before they were cursed by God. And you see, Abraham's son, Isaac, was blessed. We're going to talk about that in just a second. And, and Rebekah was blessed in Genesis 25. So, so Genesis 12 tells us that, Abraham, I'm, I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing. And he was. Okay, so that was Abraham, but really my focus today is Isaac. Uh, everything I've said was to get you to this point right here. Isaac. We're going, to, we're going to spend some time here. Genesis 26. In Genesis 26, verse 12, this is what it says. Isaac planted crops in the land in the same year, reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. And, and notice verse 15 here. So all the wells that his, father, that his father's servant had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. What's that about? What's that? Isaac, who's basically a foreigner in the land of Canaan, you know, He's different from the Philistines. He spoke differently than the, than the Philistines. He acted differently from the Philistines. And the Philistines didn't like him. They, 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 they envied him, is what it says. They envied him. And as a result, was it saying, verse 15, the Philistines stopped up their, his wells, filling them with earth. It's just pure evil. And what would you do? What would you do? Somebody, you, you dig these, and, and, and verse 1 tells us that there was a famine in the land. I mean, these wells are pretty crucial. You need this water. They were desperate for water. And, and his neighbors are stopping up his wells, intentionally stopping up his wells. What would you do? That's a lawsuit. That's a war. They're, de he's de they're declaring war on Isaac. And so Isaac, what's he do? He fight back? No, that's not what he did. I know it's verse 16. Verse 16, and then Amalek, who's a Philistine, said to Isaac, move away from us. You've become too, too powerful for us. I see verse 16 here. I'm thinking, okay, that's a, that's a legitimate conversation you can have before you stop up my wells. But you don't say that after you stop up my wells because you've already declared war. So what's Isaac to do? What would you do? As a foreigner in this land, a stranger, an alien, what would you do? What, what does God want you to do here? So what's Isaac do? Verse 17, Isaac moved away. He moved away from there. He encamped in the valley of Gerar, 
and he settled there. And Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same name his father had given them. So you see what's going on? Instead of fighting, instead of retaliating, Isaac simply moves on, and he reopens his father's wells. That's what he did. So, but then he goes on, verse 19, he digs more wells. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. They discovered a well of fresh water, literally of living water. And then verse 20, but the, but the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, that water's ours. What? They, they just stole, so he, so he named that well Isaac, which, which means contention and dispute because it is disputed with him. Fight, his servants are the ones who, they, they dug the well, and the Philistines, they claim the well. It's, it's our well. So verse 21, so they dug, they dug another well. Anybody keeping count here? Um, but they quarreled over that one also. And he named that one uh, Sitna, which means enmity or opposition. So verse 22, he moved on from there and he dug another well. Keeping track? How many wells? And, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, which means room, saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. Now, Isaac, this is not natural. He doesn't fight back. He just moves on and keeps digging. And, 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 and the Philistines are being blessed by this. You know, they're being kind of hostile. They're being mean. They're being cruel. But they're getting free water now because of Isaac and his servants and all the work they've done. The Philistines are being blessed by Isaac. And Isaac doesn't fight back. He doesn't curse them. He moves on. He digs another well. And that's what we need to do. We don't fight back. Don't get frustrated. Just pick up a shovel, dig another well. Even when the resources are scarce, even when the critics are opposing you, even when your enemy is trying to shut you down, don't give up. Keep going. Keep living. To this you were called, that you may inherit a blessing, that you may be a blessing. Be the culture of heaven in a culture of hell. I see it in Abraham, I see it in Isaac. It goes on in Genesis, 20, Genesis 26, verse 23. From there he went on to Beersheba, and that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. And you will increase in number, uh, in the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. God said, I'm going to bless you. Here's, here's the thought. You can focus on what the world is doing to you, or you can focus on what God is doing to you. And if you focus on what the world is doing to you, there's a good chance that God's not going to be, he's not going to, you're, you're going to put yourself in a position where God's can't, God can't bless you. Stop thinking about what the world is doing to you. Start thinking about all the ways that God has been so good to you. Um, so, so God says, I'm going to bless you. And what's Isaac do? Verse 25, Isaac built an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord, and there he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug another well. It, just, it cracks me up. Another well. He built an altar, he pitched his tent, he dug another well. He worshiped, he dwelt, he dug. Can you put that in practice? You worship God, dwell where God has called you, and do the work that God has called you. Be like Isaac. When opposition comes, just keep digging. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. In verse 26, meanwhile, Abimelech, 
had come to him from Gerar with uh, these people. I can't remember. Uh, Ahuza, his personal advisor, and Fecal, uh, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked, him, asked them, why have you come to me since you, you were so hostile to, to me and sent me away? And they answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. Get that. We saw clearly that the Lord was with you. That's what this is about. They see God. Now they have the, the opportunity. Are they going to respond to God? Are they going to surrender to God? Are they going to live for God? Or are they just going to recognize God is with you? That's, that's all he did. God is with you. We, we, clearly, uh, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So, so we said there ought to be a sworn agreement with the, between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that, that, there will be no, that you will do us no harm, just as we did, did not bless you, but, but also treated you well and sent you away in peace. I mean, they, they, we just stopped up, stopped up your wells and sent you away. But we, we were good to you. Yeah, that's what he's saying. We were good to you. So the Philistines recognized that God was with Isaac. So what's Isaac do? He didn't dig another well. Uh, no. Uh, verse, verse 30 says, Isaac then made a feast for them, and they ate and they drank. What was he? He, he made a feast for his enemies. He blessed his enemies. Do you see that? I mean, that's Old Testament. It's been there the whole time. This is how, what God called them to. This is what God is calling us to. Early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other, and Isaac sent them on their way, and they left in peace. And then verse 32, that day, Isaac's servants came and told, told him about the well they had just dug. They said, we found water. And he, he called it Sheba, which means oath. And to this day, the name of the town has been Beersheba, or well of the oath. Isaac blessed his enemies. And Isaac was blessed by God. You want God's blessing? I'm telling you, this is how you do it. God can bless you when you live to be a blessing. Isaac, Isaac's opponents recognized God's, God's blessing on his life. They, they realized they weren't fighting Isaac. They were fighting God. And so they stopped fighting Isaac. I don't know if they ever stopped fighting God. To this we have been called so don't waste your time wallowing in self-pity or getting mad or getting upset at the things that are going on in this world. Just live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Be humble. It's hard. I'm not telling you this is easy. It's hard. But to this we've been called. This is how God is calling us to live. This is what God can bless. If you really want God's blessing, this is how you do it. So let us not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called. Do not retaliate. Do not, do not become like this world. Just trust God and keep on digging. All right, two more case studies quickly. Jacob, if you remember, you got Abraham. Abraham had his son Isaac. Isaac had his son Jacob. Jacob was a blessing to Laban. If you, if you know that story, that's in Genesis 30. Uh, J Laban's business was blessed through Jacob. That's all I'm going to say about that. And then Joseph, you know the story of Joseph, which takes up most of the book of Genesis. Joseph was a blessing when he was sold into slavery, sold into slavery. And he became a slave of Potiphar, Potiphar. And Potiphar was blessed through Joseph. And, and it tells us in, in Genesis 39, Potiphar understood that the source of the blessing was God working through Joseph. Potiphar saw it. He knew this was God on Joseph, God's hand on Joseph. Potiphar saw that. And then after Potiphar, there was Pharaoh. Um, and, and Pharaoh and all of Egypt was blessed through Joseph. 
these, 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 uh, these Gentiles, let me say that, these Gentiles who, who do not know our God, who do not worship our God, who do not love our God, and yet Joseph was right in the right spot to bless all these people. People all, all over the earth, is what it says in, in Genesis 41, were, were blessed as they came to Egypt to buy grain. And the people acknowledged how blessed they were, telling Joseph, you have saved our lives. They recognized this is a man of God, and they recognized they have been blessed because of this man of God. So case study after case study after case study, it's all saying the same thing. You are called to be a blessing, like Abraham, like Isaac, like Jacob, like Joseph. Bless the people around you, even if they sell you into slavery like they did Joseph. Bless them. You go back to Genesis 12, uh, and, and, and it's repeated in Genesis 18, the covenant that, that God made with Abraham. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I've chosen him so that, that he will direct his children in his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. That last part, that's got to get your attention here. Uh, I've chosen him. So that he will direct his children. This is Abraham. He will direct his children, Isaac, and his grandchild Jacob, and his, his great grandson Joseph, and all who came behind them. And you and I are the children of Abraham through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible, the Bible makes it because we have the same faith that he had. So what, what God called Abraham to, he's calling us to. That we would, we would what was it, that Abraham would keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. We are the children of Abraham. All nations will be blessed through us. The source of the blessing comes from God for all nations by the children of Abraham. The promise is, once again, is repeated in Genesis 22. Through, through your offspring, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Through your offspring. And, and ultimately, I mean, if you know, okay, so what was this? this is a collective singular word in, in the Hebrew, if that means anything to you. What that means... The offspring could be talking about one seed or many seeds. Ultimately, we know this is talking about Jesus Christ, the ultimate blessing. But we, too, are children of Abraham. We have the privilege and the responsibility to live for Christ, to be righteous, to be just, and to bless all nations and introduce them to the ultimate blessing, which is Jesus Christ. To this we have been called. It's my prayer that we will be blessed. We will experience the blessings of God. It's my prayer that we will be a blessing to others. Even if they oppose us, even if they stop up our wells, we will be a blessing. And they will recognize that the hand of God is on us. And then they have the choice to make. What are they going to do with that? Are they going to come to God and submit to God and surrender to God and live for God? Or are they going to continue to live in rebellion to God? They have a choice to make, but that's on them. That's not on us. You are called to be a blessing. So, so here, I got two verses here I want to give you here. Um, if you want to know your calling in life according to the word of God, and you do, don't you? What is, what is it that God has called you to? Two verses. First Peter 2, verse 21. Um, we, we talked about, about that one last week. You are to endure. To this you were called. Children of Abraham, children of God, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He endured a lot. You and I are going to have to endure a lot in this world. To this we've been called. And then you can cry about it all day long. You can say it's not fair, or you can understand God is up to something. 
God is up to something, and I trust him. To this you've been called, to endure, to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ. And, and, and verse 9, and to be a blessing. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. That's my whole sermon right there. Endure and be a blessing. Is that hard? Too hard? Can we do it? Should we do it? This is the word of God. This is what God has called us to. And we are the people of God. So this is how we will live.